Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Jason Brubaker is a Los Angeles-based film distribution executive specializing in direct-to-consumer distribution strategies. As the founder of Brubaker Unlimited, he currently consults with media companies, rights holders, and content creators to develop strategies to source content, maximize distribution, grow audiences, build buzz, and create community around each title. And Carol, I understand Jason is a longtime donor to your Roy Dean Film Grant, right? Oh, yes, he is. And thank you so much, Jason, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, wonderful. We have a lot to cover today because, I, first of all, your website, filmmakingstuff.com, is brilliant. And now I understand you have another one, howtosellyourmovie.com. That is also very interesting with uh, a membership set up for uh, distribution. So we want to get into all of this. Uh, but I want to start with on your filmmakingstuff.com, indie filmmakers now have access to the marketplace, you say. And while many distributors would like to tell you otherwise, with a little ingenuity and a strong marketing plan, you can control your own film distribution. But this doesn't mean the process is easy. In order to succeed in selling your film, you will have to learn some new rules for film distribution. So let's start with some of those new rules, please. Yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, and, and as you know, I've been doing this kind of stuff for a long time, and we've seen a real evolution in the marketplace to where we've gone from a uh, physical product to a digital product. And we've seen similar trends happen in publishing. We've certainly seen it in the music industry. And yet, for the longest time, filmmakers, for whatever reason, thought that this kind of stuff did not apply to them. And of course, you know, now we've reached an era where I know people that don't, they don't even have a way to play DVD anymore because, or Blu-ray, because, you know, everything that they get is either through their smart television or their devices um, in, in terms of consuming content. So then the big question becomes, well, great. Now that we know that we've entered the digital era, how do we leverage, you know, some of the tools that are available to us to, to maximize our, our potential for success? And so one of the biggest rules that filmmakers have to really abide by is, is simply this. You have to come up with your own marketing and distribution strategy independent of any distributor. And I'm sure we'll get into this a lot, but ironically, the filmmakers that have a plan still have opportunities with traditional distribution. Um, that's sort of the funny part. That, you know, and, and I've seen this now as a trend, which is, with filmmakers that get the best distribution deals don't necessarily need a distributor in order to be successful. And I think that that's really interesting. They don't really need a distributor to be successful. Well, expand on that for me. 
Well, I should say they don't really need a distribution deal to be successful because, you know, what I've found with, with some of the, you know, top filmmakers that I work with both, uh, you know, through my consulting as well as the role that I have at Distriber is that when a filmmaker comes into this space and they say, well, look, I already have access uh, to these huge email lists and, and everybody, you know, has agreed to do a big email blast on the day that I launched their hundreds of thousands of subscribers, you know, what is it that a distributor is going to do that adds more value to that? And, and if you were to ask a distributor that question, they'd say, well, we have great relationships at such and such platforms, so we may be able to get you special placement. But the irony there is, you know, not, there's no guarantee that you're going to get special placement on any platform. But, but the funny thing is, if you're driving a whole bunch of sales to a particular platform, you start to rise in the rankings. And the more you rise in the rankings, the more people on that platform start to discover your work. And the more people that discover your work, you know, the more sales you make. And, and it kind of becomes uh, like a snowball effect. And so your goal right out of the gate is to have, uh, I, I guess, an answer to one big question, which is how many units do I need to sell in order to hit my goal? And then the second part of that is, okay, well, if I know I need to sell this many units, how am I going to do that? Well, Bobby over there said they're going to do an email blast for their 20,000 subscribers, so let's assume a small percentage buy. And Sally's going to do an email blast to her 100,000 subscribers, so a small percentage are going to buy, and so on and so forth. And, and what you've done is you've effectively created a plan, a, a direct marketing plan, that, frankly, no distributor – you know, has the bandwidth unless they're like a major, you know, player, like a major studio. Um, but most mid-level distributors don't have that kind of bandwidth. And in fact, most of them outsource their PR and their marketing. So if you come and you say, I have access to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that are potentially going to see, you know, my direct ad campaign with a link back to my film, well, suddenly these distributors are like, wow, I really want to work with you. I really think that you're great. And, and I know I kind of keep coming back to this idea of, okay, well, that's great. I love it that you want to work with me, but you still haven't answered my question. What value are you going to bring to this project that I can't otherwise achieve on my own? And, and so when you ask that question and, and you really wait for an answer, you know, you might be surprised to find that there's not a whole lot of extra value. And, and that's, that's the interesting part. So that's why I say, you know, the films um, that get the best distribution deals, well, they don't necessarily need that distribution deal to be successful because that filmmaker has done their homework. Exactly. Wow. Well, now you say, you mentioned that um, about a placement uh, on a platform. When you're talking about that, you're talking about iTunes, Amazon, those are platforms, uh, right? That, that's right, yes. Uh, right out of the gate, I always recommend like an iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, uh, Fandango Now. Um, an interesting, you know, thing about those platforms is is your, for a lot of them, you have to work with an aggregator, and we can talk about that here in a little bit, but with those platforms, you can make a case to the platform and say, hey, you know, um, I'm going to drive a ton of traffic to my buy now button, and I'd love it, you know, if you could help out by offering special placement. Um, these platforms are incentivized to help you because they make money off of each sale too. So if you're, if you're really adding, you know, some, some fuel to the fire, so to speak, um, they may very well join you in your efforts. 
But, again, that's why I said earlier it's not guaranteed. And, and the cool thing here is, again, if you do your homework, then this idea of special placement becomes less and less of a value proposition because you're going to get a ton of sales anyway. Right. Right. Okay. Well, when you say you might get a small percentage when you do the mailing, um, what percentage do you think they would get? 1%, 2%? I, I don't know. And, and that's, that's, that's always like the big question that I get from, you know, consulting clients. And, and the truth is we won't know until we know. And I know that's even a vague answer too, but, I, but I'll explain that a little bit more. You know, if I was making a film about uh, a documentary about, you know, the love uh, that people have for their puppy when they rescue their puppy from, you know, a, a dog rescue facility, et cetera. Like, like if, it, if my documentary was about dog rescue and I immediately reached out to all the various, you know, blogs and websites and publications that are really into dog rescue and they all share that love and I'm one of them, which, by the way, I am these days, but <laughs> we have this puppy, and I, and I love our little puppy, my life. So all of a sudden, and, and I'm using this as an example, if I got that email that said, hey, watch this great documentary this weekend on iTunes uh, about this dog uh, rescue, you know, dog rescue documentary, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I got I, I to gotta have it. I got to watch that. And so if, if, if I'm part of that email list and I'm really into the content, and that film aligns very much with my interests, then, then you can assume that there's probably going to be a much higher open rate, there's going to be a higher click-through rate, and there's certainly going to be a higher conversion rate. Now, if I take that same, same example and, you know, through uh, all of my conversations out there and, and trying to drum up publicity, et cetera, and I find, you know, a blog with 100,000 um, people on the mailing list, but they're interested in cat rescue and my, and my documentary is about dog rescue. Well, you know, they could still do the email blast, but we can assume that it's going to be far less people that are going to open the email, click through and make a purchase um, because right. it's not as directly in line with what they're looking for. So, you know, when you say, well, what, 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 what kind of conversion rates, what kind of percentage can we expect? I'm going to say, high percentage if it's hyper-targeted and a much lower percentage. But I would always err on the side of, of you know, being conservative anyway. You know, if, if, right. if uh, you know, if, if, if we think it's probably going to be like a 4 or 5% thing, which would be huge, I might say it's going to be 1%, you know, and, and just really work my way backwards because that's going to, that's going to create an opportunity to get, you know, icing on the cake, so to speak. Exactly. What this also points out is that people who are making films about dogs and they know they have a small but important and strong market, they should be uh, driving people from various places to their website to collect their information. Because I noticed in your uh, your documents that you say you must have an opt-in box on your website, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there right now that are saying things like, "Oh, email's dead. Email marketing's not. You know, nobody uses it, et cetera, et cetera." And and sure, there's certain segments of the population that don't read their email every day, but virtually everybody that uses the internet, everybody that uses Facebook or any other social media, has an email, uh, you know, that they that they occasionally log into. 
Um, so I would think first and foremost, collecting email addresses is, you know, that's something that every website should have. And, and you obviously have to offer something of value to get that email address. Um, but that, that's a good starting point. At the same Great. time, there's a lot of filmmakers that make a film, and I know, Carol, you, you work with quite a few of them as well, that they don't have their own house list. And for the longest time, people like me, I think we're um, muddying up the message out there by saying you have to have a list, you have to build an audience. And I've, you know, through experience, I've kind of learned that you don't necessarily need your own audience. I think to refine that is you need to identify an audience and then figure out where that audience congregates online. So sticking with our, you know, our documentary example about dog rescue, you know, again, you can find tons of websites and publications uh, that have mailing lists that are already speaking to that audience. So, so you as a filmmaker, it's your job uh, to, to do your homework and identify those sites. But at the same time, you obviously want to build your own list, not just for this film, but for, you know, all films that you're going to make in the future. And right. so that's where, you know, I say it, it's absolutely essential um, for your long-term career, but it doesn't mean that your film won't be successful if you don't have a list for this particular one. Okay. That makes sense. Just say. Right. Well, I am very much into um, building your database, and uh, but I do think what you're saying is so important for you to be able to go out and find large organizations uh, that are interested in the same, are looking for the same uh, content that your film contains. So um, it's, there used to be something like Alexia or some program online that you could put in the name of an organization and find out the size of it. Do you know what that is? Um, there's a few different websites out there. I don't know if – offhand, I don't know which ones um, particularly tell me all of that information um, because there's so many different niches out there. But there are definitely websites that can tell you how large of an audience uh, there is. Um, I also like to use for different keywords when I'm thinking up, you know, different marketing campaigns or even working with filmmakers that are still trying to conceptualize their film. Uh, Google AdWords offers this thing called, uh, it's like, it's a keyword tool that will show you how many people are searching for a particular search term each month. And that can give you some good insight in terms of what kind of demand there is for a particular subject matter. For example, I use an I always talk about like purple pine cones. And if you were unfortunate enough to make a film about purple pine cones, there's only about 30 people per month searching for the term purple pine cones. Uh, so that may put you at a disadvantage if you're trying to recoup $10 million on a purple pine cone movie uh, directed at a purple <laughs> pine cone audience. Uh, so these are things to keep in mind, but certainly, you know, if you go a little bit broader, like we're talking about with dog rescue, um, now, now there's going to be 5,000 dog rescue movies. I'm going to try to watch all of them, by the way. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> So there is a keyword search tool. You just go to Google and, and search for the keyword search tool and find yeah, it. Yeah, I would recommend just Google, key, Google the words keyword search tool Google, you know, and I think, I think you'll find it. You may have to sign up for an AdWords account uh, to access it, but nonetheless, it's available there. We have we were given a Google grant for advertising, and it is so wonderful. 
I'll tell you, I think I love advertising on Google. I think that it really pays off. That's what I've found. Oh, well, it's, it, it is amazing. Um, and then at the same time, it, it can also be a marketing black hole uh, for, for people that don't have the grant, too. So you, you want to be very careful. I always say, and, and I know this is a little bit off, off, the, off the trail today, but, you know, if we're talking about marketing and advertising specifically, I always try to test, you know, a couple hundred dollars first and foremost to see if I get my money back. Uh, and if I don't get my money back, I usually move on to another ad. Uh, so that's just a little a little side note for anybody out there that's testing a few ads. Yes, that's a great idea. Well, um, let's talk about your website, filmmakingstuff.com, because you have a film distribution checklist with 25 things that you should do. And can you just share a few of them with us? Yeah, I think, and, and, and actually this really fits with our conversation right now, um, because I think one of the first things that you need to do as a filmmaker is just kind of take a big look at your branding and make sure that your belts match your shoes. Uh, so this is a big one. Uh, when I'm working in distribution, and it doesn't matter if you're self-distributing your film or if you're looking for a distributor, if you just learned Photoshop last week and you now think of yourself as a graphic designer, I promise you that whatever you think is good is terrible to the outside world. Um, <laughs> That's right. And, and you know, the, the close uh, second to that is, please, I know your kid sister is fantastic, but she's not yet a graphic designer. Uh, just pay the money. You know what I mean? Get some, get some legitimate artwork that helps legitimize what you're trying to accomplish. So your poster design, even though we're in a digital era where the idea of a physical movie poster may be pretty rare for a lot of people, that artwork is going to inform everything else you do, including your trailer. So everything sort of needs to reflect itself. The words you use to describe the film uh, in print publications, as well as how you talk about it on the street, as well as how your trailer is composed, all of it should be kind of a ripple effect of that poster with sort of the same tone um, and, you know, sentiment leading towards, you know, the desired result. So, for example, if you're trying to – I'll use my Purple Pinecone movie. If you're trying to make a Purple Pinecone movie, uh, that better be a darn appealing uh, poster. And I may not – and I don't want to open up that Purple Pinecone movie and and find out that I'm actually watching a movie about, I don't know, brown pinecones. I don't know why I'm on the fine tune kick, but my point being is like try to reflect the movie, but in all your artwork and your design, it should be attracting the people you're trying to attract. Well, do you have any sites you recommend, like 99designs or places like that online? Yeah, all of, all of those are great places um, if that person that you're looking to hire has some experience. One of the things that I like to do is first and foremost is I first I identify the film that I'm working on, then I identify the genre, then I identify the subgenre. So for example, documentaries, and then I say, okay, dog documentaries, and then I say, oh, animal, you know, dog rescue documentaries, and then I might go out and try to find other films that are exactly the same appealing. I mean, not exactly the same film, film, but the type of film, you know, same sort of subject matter that's appealing to the same type of audience. And then what I'll do is I'll look for movie posters 
of those hit films, and I'll put together a quick portfolio of screenshots, and then I'll find a graphic designer um, on some of these sites. And 99design is okay, you know, but but you're really going to want to use some of that other research that you've done as a reference. And then out of that, you know, your designer should be able to take a look at it and capture, um, you know, just get a good look at it artistically and be able to capture the essence of of those other posters as, as you come up with your own artwork. So that's, that's the strategy that I would recommend. Um, another strategy, too, related to some of your marketing materials, uh, when we're talking about your trailer, your trailer is still one of the most important marketing pieces that you have. And a lot of filmmakers try to cut their own trailer. And, and here again, you know, you're a filmmaker, you're trying to tell a story, but when you cut a trailer, you're trying to sell a story. So you're not trying to tell a story. You're trying to sell a story. Um, and, and so those are two distinctly different skill sets. And I'm not saying that, you know, directors and, and filmmakers can't cut their own trailer. They, they certainly do. Um, but here's, here's a note that I got a long time ago from Robert Rodriguez in his book, Rebel Without a Crew. And I never forgot it. Uh, and, and I share this, you know, freely because I think it's a really good piece of advice. Do the same sort of exercise I described with the posters, but this time around, find trailers for all those successful films in a similar genre geared, you know, targeted to the exact same target audience. And then rip one of those trailers, put it on your timeline, and then use that, uh, you know, as a way, as sort of a template to cut your own trailer because that's going to enable you to see the beat, the tempo, how the music's used, et cetera. And obviously I'm not telling you to rip off somebody else's trailer and you wouldn't be able to because you don't have the rights to all that stuff. But from an educational perspective, this will give you, this will kind of help you inform, this will inform you on how to best cut your trailer uh, for maximum, you know, selling potential. And then out of that, just to get, if we're going to get really nerdy, I'd cut four different versions of that trailer and then I'd throw them up on YouTube. And then I would reach out to friends and family and ask all my friends and family to look at all four trailers and, and just, you know, maybe not even say anything else about it. Hey, here's all my trailers. Can you take a look at them and just let me know what you think? Like maybe that's enough. And what you're going to find when you do that exercise is there's going to be one of the four trailers that gets more views, more engagement, more social shares, and, and maybe even, if you're lucky, more comments. And then that's the trailer that I would use because that, in effect, won the test, uh, even though, you know, nobody knew that it was a contest or anything like that. But, but from your own perspective, now you have a winning example. So, you know, these are some, some things that, at least from my perspective, seem easy. And, and I guess what happens with filmmakers is they're so focused on getting the film made and finished that thinking about some of this marketing stuff comes as, as a second step in the process. And, and I would even recommend, you know, that you kind of shift gears a little bit and start thinking about this stuff as you're making the film or even before that you make the film. Okay, I like that. Now, in your film distribution checklist, you say that your trailer is an important promotional tool. Upload it to YouTube as well as other popular video sites. Make sure it mentions your website. So 
I do you think that's good? A lot of people say, "Oh, I don't want anybody to know about my film yet. Uh, it's a social justice film, and I'm hiding things." Or um, won't they steal my idea? How do you overcome that? I don't know. I I just try to ignore all that stuff. Um, but I <laughs> know <laughs> right. you get those questions. I get those questions, and these are common questions. So let me. Let me just take a minute, humor aside, and and actually legitimately answer those questions. Um, Here's the thing. You don't want to release your trailer until you know when your film is going to be ready for sale. And they call that a street date in film distribution. So what's your street date? So if we know that our film is going to go live on June 1st, then we might want to lead up to the launch of the film, and that's when we start releasing the trailer. Maybe we release the trailer in late April, early May, and we really run it. But you're not just running a trailer for brand awareness. This is where a lot of filmmakers get it wrong. You, you don't, you're not Warner Brothers. You don't have the ability to leverage, you know, millions of dollars to promote the next Batman film. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to take a more of a direct marketing strategy. And if, and if you listen, you know, to this interview, you're going to see that most every marketing strategy I talk about is direct marketing. And what does that mean? That means that you're asking whomever you're reaching out to to take a direct action based on whatever that thing is in front of them. So with the trailer, when I say have a link to your website at the end, it's not just for a link to the website. It's with the goal that when you're doing a promotional trailer that somebody does come to your website, and when they come to your website, you get their email address. And when you get that email address, you build that relationship with them. That way, when your film goes live, you now have an email blast you can do to drive all those people that raised their hand and, and express some interest, uh, you know, a month or a week before you actually release the film. On the flip side, what many filmmakers do is they just throw trailers out there and, and they expect people to remember. And that it's just not going to happen. I mean, you think about your own life. Certainly my life is, is one of, you know, I don't want to use negative terminology. I, I wanted to say it was chaotic, but that sounds negative. But, but in truth, like, I feel like every minute uh, of every day, somebody's reaching out to me for my attention. And so if I see something on the Internet I like, I'm probably only minutes away from getting distracted and moving on to the next thing or, or trying to talk with my wife to figure out what's for dinner or taking, you know, our dog to the dog park. Uh, you know, all these life interruptions happen for everybody. So, again, this is why I emphasize, you know, if you're going to put the trailer out there, it's not just for the sake of having the trailer out there. It's to hopefully drive people uh, to a desired destination so that you can create a relationship. Great. Well, let's talk about uh, the website for a moment and what are the key elements that you recommend? I make it really simple. You know, in in marketing they call these landing pages or squeeze pages or opt-in pages, and it's really – I would say at the top of it, you have the name of your film. Underneath that, you might have a testimonial or two from somebody uh, that may have seen an early screening of the film. Now, obviously, this depends where you're at in the life cycle. Uh, but, but let's just talk about it from a promotional standpoint. Maybe you were in a film festival. Uh, somebody said something really cool. You, you have like a little quote. So name, so name of the film, little quote, trailer, and then underneath that is a button that takes them towards the desired action. If the film's available in the marketplace, maybe there's three buttons, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play. If the film's not yet available in the marketplace, maybe the button underneath is 
get more info. They click that button, a little pop-up comes up and asks for a name and an email address or just an email address. And boom, now you have it. Uh, so, so those are the two things that you should have on your website, which is either you're driving them to buy your film or you're collecting email addresses. But the most important thing you're saying here is that you're telling them what to do. So within three to five seconds of landing on your website, they know what to do. You're telling them. They got it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think what happens with a lot of filmmakers, again, this is that kid-sister thing that we joked about earlier, but the same sort of thing, uh, like as in graphic designers, you should hire a professional. When it comes to creating a website, um, a lot of filmmakers just, you know, they use some of these templates and they throw in all sorts of different bells and whistles, uh, behind-the-scenes photos, director's commentary, director's statement, um, bios of everybody in the cast and crew, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And next thing you know, people are so lost in your website that they just click away and you never see them again. Uh, so I'm not saying that's necessarily a waste, but where, where you run into problems is when your film is released and you think, geez, I had a, I had a thousand people come to my website. Uh, I wonder how I reach all those thousands of people again. And unless you're taking, you know, actions to, you know, grab an email address or, or some more nerdy things called retargeting, which, you know, I, I don't think we can get into, but, uh, but in short, you can do some cool stuff on your website. You probably ordered something online where you were doing some research, and then you clicked away from that from that store, and you went to Facebook, and there's an ad for the thing you were just looking at. That's called retargeting. <laughs> right. um, retargeting, okay. So email address, retargeting, or, you know, if you're super nerdy, you could do a little bit of both. But, but again, the problem is most filmmakers get lost in the minutia of trying to have the most perfect, awesome website, and – it doesn't serve them well to sell their film. Exactly. Okay, good. Well, let me ask you about this. In one of your items on the film distribution checklist from uh, film, uh, filmmakingstuff.com is uh, when it comes to video-on-demand distribution, a common release strategy involves launching in this order. So talk to us about that. Yeah, typically when you release your film, and, and I included on the checklist uh, theatrical distribution, mainly because every filmmaker I talk to, when you say, what's your goals for distribution, the response is always, I want worldwide theatrical. So, you know, I've given up on trying to tell people why that might be a bad idea. Uh, by the way, for the listeners, it's a bad idea because it's really hard to recoup your investment through theatrical because you spend so much money getting butts in the seats. But but that aside, you typically do theatrical. Then you, when you go into the video-on-demand digital marketplaces, we release as TVOD or transactional video-on-demand. Then we go SVOD, which is subscription video-on-demand. And then we go into AVOD, which is ad-supported video-on-demand. And the reason you go in that order is um, you, you're trying to maximize revenue. If you release your film for free in like a – I don't know, an Amazon Prime or a, or a Hulu or even a Netflix right out of the gate, then the big question is how many people are going to go back and watch it on iTunes or Amazon or Fandango Now, and, and not too many, right, because it's available for free. Right. So, and, and usually when I, when I talk to filmmakers, they say, well, I really want to be in a big marketplace like Netflix. And I, I get it. Um, you know, I get the appeal because all your friends and family, that's all they know is, is like Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. Um, but on the flip side of that, 
there's a lot of people with Apple devices. There's a lot of people that watch content on Amazon who are Amazon Prime members. You know, there's a lot of games in town. If you put it on like an iTunes and Amazon and Google Play, you know, right out of the gate, you're going to get a large percentage of each sale that you make. And you might say, well, it's not as easy for people to watch it because they could just watch it on Netflix for free. And to that I say, you know, have you ever ordered anything on Amazon or, or, or iTunes for that matter? It, it's really easy because you're usually just a few clicks away from making a purchase, and that's because these platforms keep customer information on file to remove the barrier to entry. So it's almost as awesomely easy as, as you know, turning on Netflix to get somebody to buy some stuff in platforms that they've already purchased from in the past because, again, their buyer information is already on those platforms. Um, and so, you know, going back to the order of release, I, I would not discount transactional video on demand at all. I would definitely go TVOD, SVOD, and then eventually advertisement supported, which is AVOD. Wonderful. That's all great. Great information. Well, let's talk uh, some more about your um, training program that you have, how to sell your movie.com. Tell me something about that. The biggest thing to know about it is I've, I've been working in film distribution for the greater part of my career. And, and, and Carol, it's, it's always fun. Every time I have these conversations with you, I think back to like literally the first panel discussion I was ever on, I sat next to you. Um, and at that point, um, if you can believe it, it, I think it's been about 10 years now. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, the, the industry changed a lot. <laughs> the industry's changed a lot, and, and I, as, you, as you can attest, I, I've grown a lot following these trends with uh, digital distribution. And I put together a training uh, course that originally started out as an ebook, and then it went into like one of these downloadable things where you could download like some audio in an ebook. And now what it is is I've created an online membership at HowToSellYourMovie.com, which allows you to get a username and a password. And you can go in and, and access what I'm referring to as execution plans. So I've taken like the big, bold, humongous subject of digital distribution, and I've broken it down into bite-sized like video text and audio uh, modules, which, again, I'm calling them execution plans. So you can go in there and you can try to solve individual challenges in your own distribution strategy. So I have one execution plan which gives you an overview of how uh, digital distribution works. And I have another execution plan called Moving Marketing 101. Uh, I have another execution plan that talks to you about how to navigate the American film market for, you know, uh, maximum exposure. Um, and there's and, – and my main idea in putting it together this way is because, because as I'm describing, this information ch- changes constantly – and what I wanted, you know, maybe, maybe it was a little bit out of just uh, convenience for me, but I wanted a way to go in there and not have to redo the entire course as the information changes, but rather I can add more execution plans. Uh, so some things that I have on, on the roadmap, I'm going to do one for um, I'm going to do one for YouTube, and I'm going to do one for Amazon. Both of which, by the way, have very recently just changed their models. So. Uh, I guess unfortunate for me, I got to spend another weekend updating that stuff. But 
Uh, but it's a daily basis. You think you've got it figured out, and then you open your emails, and whoops, that's changed. Now, what does this mean to me? So I can see why you would have to be doing a monthly or at least every other month updates. you got to do some of those updates, and, and the cool thing, too, is I've created uh, an exclusive forum uh, for other serious filmmakers that have, you know, invested in the course slash training. So it's a, it's a secret private Facebook group. And then what it does is creates networking opportunities for other serious filmmakers. And, and because, uh, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not an inexpensive product, you know, it's, it's a premium, uh, you know, membership site in that regard. But what that does is it helps filter out people that aren't serious, you know, versus people that are serious. And then that way you're actually, you know, networking with people that are in the game. Uh, and, I, and I find from the feedback that that's very beneficial. Oh, it, it is very beneficial. It sounds a lot like what we have for documentary called the, uh, on Yahoo groups, where it's DocuLink, where documentary filmmakers can ask questions and get answers from other documentary filmmakers. And this would be so valuable for feature filmmakers, independent ones, particularly those who are just emerging or are on their second film. That's exactly right. And the other cool thing about the way that, that, that it's been built is if there's something that I'm missing, because, you know, I'm a human being, and, and as I've uh, expressed throughout this conversation, I'm also very busy. If there's something that I'm missing and somebody reaches out and says, hey, Jason, I'd really love it if you could, uh, you know, create a module on this, I'll probably respond, oh, my gosh, it's a good idea. I haven't thought about that, but I'll, I'll get right to it and add it to the roadmap. Um, so I just, uh, you know, one of our one of our uh, members just reached out to me earlier this week uh, with an idea for, um, you know, a, a 12-week marketing plan that I should incorporate. And I was like, all right, well, that's going to be a few weekends of work, but I think that's a really <laughs> good idea, and I'm going yes. to I'm gonna have to build that. So, so that will eventually be an execution plan, too. Oh, that'll be terrific. Okay. Well, now give us some information about Distriber. And let's talk to filmmakers who are uh, in post now, perhaps, or who are looking forward to distributing. And so uh, Distriber, uh, tell us what it does and how it works. Well, in addition to all the stuff that we've talked about with my consulting and the membership site, um, I, I actually have a role at Distriber. I'm the vice president of worldwide sales there, and we are – a, uh, a video-on-demand aggregator. And so what that means is, as an aggregator, we do all of the stuff that a traditional distributor uh, might do in terms of providing access and also, in addition to that, um, in addition to providing access to the platforms, we also manage the ingestion, the encoding, the quality control, the review, and the delivery to the platforms. Now, things that we don't do that a traditional distributor might do would be the marketing and PR that's up to the filmmaker. But as I've already described in, in this conversation, um, oftentimes traditional distributors have, you know, a staff of 15 to 20 people, and they're picking up anywhere from, you know, 15 to 20 titles a month. So that means that, you know, if you really think about the math, how does that work? Well, what it means is for many distributors is they simply have a publicist on retainer, and they also hire a marketing company for some of their top titles to see if there's some way that they could do some sort of marketing. So whenever I have that kind of conversation at distributor and, and a filmmaker brings that up, I say, well, why don't you just find out whatever marketing company that other distributor is using 
and hire them because any money your film makes using a traditional distributor, the first money's out, go back to pay off all of those expenses. And then second money's go back to, you know, paying the distributor for whatever, you know, creative accounting that they got into the deal. And then finally <laughs> they take their distribution fee. And finally, you know, after all of that, um, maybe you get paid. And by the way, this is after like iTunes takes their 30%. So, oh. you know, when you think about it through that lens, suddenly the idea of going out, uh, you know, and, and kind of doing some of the stuff on your own starts to make business sense, um, which, you know, kind of takes a full circle, Carol, back to the beginning of the conversation. This is why I recommend that filmmakers come up with that plan. Um, because if you had that plan, now you're not dependent on any distributor and you don't have to settle for a crappy deal because your own plan gives you leverage. And if you have to, you can execute your own plan without you know, signing away the rights to your film for 15 years. Exactly. Uh, I think that knowing what you want before you, you even sit down with the distributor is a key, isn't it? Knowing that maybe you want to keep distribution for uh, educational and the rights to sell on your own website, knowing those things first, right? Oh, yeah, you absolutely do. And, and you know, you bring up an interesting point. These days, because the world has gone from physical to digital, when we're talking about uh, content and distribution, you find a lot of distributors want to take every right imaginable. And they're trying to do that because they're scrambling, uh, you know, because we're going through a huge paradigm shift. These distributors are scrambling. And, and if that film ends up making money somewhere, they want a piece of that. Uh, so it's really, really interesting what's happening out there in the space. And, and it means that filmmakers have to be even more vigilant than they may have been in the past. Because as you rightly point out, it would be great if you could carve out some of those rights. But sometimes a distributor would rather you don't carve out any rights because they want the opportunity to make money however you're going to make money. Well, I'm sure you've heard a lot of horror stories from people who signed with a distributor and nine, ten months later, nothing has been done. Um, how do you overcome that? Do you have any suggestions for filmmakers? Well, if they're already signed, and, and these are filmmakers that have already signed a distribution deal and, and they're kind of stuck. Well, that would be good. But the other side is, what do, they, what do you do to prevent that, too? I think you really got to do your due diligence. Now, on the first side, you know, helping those filmmakers that are already in that situation, that, that's a tough one. And, and it becomes kind of more of a legal thing um, where you're going to want to talk with a qualified attorney. But you know, for those of you that kind of have a few deals in front of you and you're trying to decide which contract to sign, you know, I think the biggest thing you got to do is, is go out and do your due diligence. Now, no company is perfect, and any company that's growing is going to have good reviews and they're going to have some not-so-good reviews, and that's, that's the price of doing business. In fact, I'd be worried about any company that doesn't have a few negative reviews because it means, you know, they're superhuman, and, and that's <laughs> – <laughs> but but – Yes. Thing, you know, there, there's some there's some really, really, really good traditional distributors out there. And, and for those traditional distributors, you know, when I when I talk about, you know, traditional distributors, sometimes it almost sounds like I'm demonizing them. I'm not. What I when I have these conversations, I'm thinking back to some of the crappy deals in my own life that other distributors tried to offer me. Um and, and I'm sort of on the mission to help filmmakers avoid those scenarios and, and frankly, those shenanigans. Uh, so, you know, 
How do you know if you're dealing with a good distributor or not so good distributor? That would be the first question. Do tons of research. Uh, go on the IMDb Pro, look up some of the, some of the filmmakers, uh, some of the films and filmmakers that have worked with that distributor. And you don't want to find people that are fresh out of the gate. Find people from two or three years ago and, and see how that deal is going. Because now they're at a point where the honeymoon period is well over, and they will probably have the most honest opinion of the situation. Uh, so that would be first and foremost. And, and, and then the other part of it, too, you know, again, if you're listening to this, please, please, please do your homework. If you know how many units you have to sell to achieve your own distribution goal and you have a plan for selling those units, then you better be very, very, very vigilant in asking that distri- distributor, okay, well, I know what I'm going to do. What are you going to bring to the table that I couldn't do on my own? And if all they can provide you is access to marketplaces that you can't get to on your own, like an iTunes or Google Play or a Vudu or Fandango Now, et cetera, well, then maybe it makes sense to work with an aggregator like Distriber. And, and that's where we really help you out. And, and the last thing I'll say, uh, well, I'm sure it won't be the last thing, but one thing that I want to point out is one, one of our largest growing customer bases is veteran filmmakers that have signed traditional deals years ago um, and now they're coming back around and said, you know what, it, it, was, it was an okay relationship and, you know, it was a good distributor, but at the end of the day, uh, I had to go out and hustle to make sales. And I figure if I'm going to have to hustle anyway in, in this growing digital landscape, I, I may as well control more of my right. Uh, exactly. And, so that's, and, and those are the exact filmmakers that, that uh, distributor is appealing to. Right, and should be. Yes, they've been there, done that. Now they want something better. Where um, is is your accounting online? I mean, can people see what's happening with their product easily? With some of the platforms, yes. Some of the platforms like iTunes or you know the the stats that you see. And and I want to be clear: any any distributor, any distribution entity that share, share stats with you very early on, the first stats that you see are called est- sales estimates. And what that means is. You might look and say, oh, my gosh, I made 10 sales on iTunes today. But when, when those sales, you know, actually come through the pipeline and they go back and, and they reconcile, you know, all the numbers and stuff, you might find, well, it said in my estimates that I made 10 sales, but there's only nine sales. So what gives? Well, what gives is sometimes people, you know, consumers, sometimes, you know, their, their credit card goes bonkers or there's a chargeback, or there's any other number of things that happen on the platform side that you really can't control. So any of those chargebacks, um, you have the estimated sales, and then if there's any chargebacks and that kind of stuff, uh, then they get taken out of the actual. So sometimes your actuals numbers um, are a little bit different than your estimates, not by a lot, but I want to point that out just for, you know, clarity's sake. And then as far as, like, sales stats, some of the platforms give you estimates on a daily basis. Some of them are weekly. Some of them, you know, are not uh, even digital. Some of them send you PDF reports. <laughs> they send, <laughs> you'd be surprised, but even, even in this era, um, you know, you get PDF reports that you have to, like, scan and, and digitize and put them back in the system. And that's just, that's goofy. It's like, hello, 1995 called. Uh, they want their <laughs> technology back. Um, right. But nonetheless, uh, the stuff that we're working on at Distriber, uh, in terms of getting it to the point where everybody can see their sales stats as quickly as they're available for all the platforms, uh, continues to be a work in progress for us. But we've made some good strides, and there's some really, really cool stuff on the roadmap that um, uh, is, is coming, and I can't wait oh, to good. talk about it. 
Oh, I love Distriber. I mean, um, I think it's a good company. I'm so glad that you're having a great relationship with them because I think that they're poised to really explode. Well, I, I, you know, I can say this. I don't think you're going to find a group of people that care about independent filmmakers more uh, than, than the folks that I work with over there. Um, mainly because we've all made films or we've been through it or we want to make films or we've worked on other people's films. And I find that when I talk with more traditional distributors, it's all about, you know, transactions and, and the, I'm, I'm trying to give an example. Like one time when I was trying to sell a film at AFM, like some guy actually said something along the lines of like, Hey, why don't you just focus on making films and I'll focus on uh, the distribution. Don't you worry about that. And I was like, First of all, <laughs> you know I, I've been I've been working in this space for a while, so it's insulting that you didn't do your homework on me. But secondly, what kind of advice is that? It sounds like a really fearful uh, perspective that some of these distributors take, and and I I totally disagree. I think filmmakers should know, you know, as much as they can about the distribution process because that's that's how people make a living in this business. Is it's not by making the product, it's by selling the product. Um, so exactly. No, this is a very important statement. You really need to know what your potential income is, exactly what you brought up from word from the very beginning. Well, thank, thank you so much. This has been very enlightening. Uh, Jason, tell us how we, people can reach you, and let's give all the websites again. Yeah, well, and I'll kind of break it down because you mentioned two websites, so I'll take them in that order. If you want general filmmaking information that kind of spans everything from script to screen, then visit filmmakingstuff.com. But if you're like, well, I love all the general stuff, Jason, but I really want to hone in on some of that distribution stuff that you were talking about, then I would suggest going over to howtosellyourmovie.com. And once again, howtosellyourmovie.com. And between both these resources, you know, I'm not saying that, that I'm the end-all, be-all, but, it, but this information that I put out should definitely supplement all the other stuff that you're learning. Absolutely. It sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing this information. As always, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Thank you, Claire. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, Jason, uh, wonderful information. Really appreciate all that you're doing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. 
That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>